What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. And as always, I'm your host, Bailey Igret, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Fold, who uh, has had some, has <laughs> having a big week. We're back in business, baby. <laughs> We're back in business. No, um, just real quick, I have to give Richie Thayer like a huge round of applause for dealing with my crazy self over in Connecticut. Yesterday, just a little backstory here. Yesterday, me, the Duke, Jeff Hippert, and my buddy Jordan all decided to drive to Norwich, Connecticut, which is about seven hours from Buffalo to pick up my brand new boat and to drive home in the same day. So I am exhausted. I have giant bags underneath my eyes. I sat on the couch today at like three 30 and be unbeknownst to me. I fell asleep for an hour, like just sat down, have no recollection of time, woke up and I was like, I gotta get my daughter. Like, I think I slept two and a half hours last night after I got home, like shot. You drive six and a half hours in a day, and you're whooped for the next day. And this guy we're about to have on is driving like 19 to 21 hours a day, and he's out fishing for part 13 to 15 hours, Eight hours. the next day. We left at 5.30 in the morning. We got home at midnight. <laughs> like, it was nuts. Yeah, you poor was, thing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't make it on the on the pro circuit. No, as, no. <laughs> I, I need my beauty sleep. So like that's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah, you talk to this guy we're going to have on today, and like any of the guys that are pro- uh, professional anglers, there ain't no such thing as beauty sleep when you're mm. when you're on the road. Road warriors, exist. and That's I right. applaud them. But uh, if nobody has seen it, I uh, I got the sweet hoodie, but I got myself a Camus, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, there'll be some a lot more to come. I'm sure Andy's going to be pumping out stuff out of the channel and social media. You guys will see more looks into that. But uh, I'm happy for you, dude. I'm glad you're the guide business is, is back in action. Yeah. It's been what, like a month? Yeah, three weeks. Uh, tomorrow I'm breaking it in. Then I have three days in a row guiding and then offer a few days. And I, I think I have almost all of September. Like I only have like four or five days left in September to fill. So it's going to be pretty good time on Erie over here in Buffalo. I'm pretty excited about it. So, yeah. Things are uh, going to start heating up because, I mean, it's. It's tough out there right now, to be honest. Like, yeah. I mean, in relative terms of like fishing, it's fun, but like, it's still like for Erie, it's tough. Is what, kind of what we should say. But yeah, it's like, gonna only start. It's only gonna start getting better because I've been looking at extended forecasts, and the nights are getting colder and colder, which makes me excited because it's back to flannel and hoodie weather, baby. I'm sick of sweating oh, while I'm working from home. All oh, day. same. I can't wait to wear pants and a hoodie on the water all day long. That's like the best time in the world to fish, even like miserable weather and downpouring rain and like 55 degrees i am happy about it sign me up oh here we go yeah (laughs) getting chirped already bills are going to the super bowl (laughs) sounds like we had mercer back on our show that's what it sounds like we should get him on here like oh man it's gonna the afc is a crap shoot here every team in the top like 10 teams could probably win the super bowl because the afc is just stacked the afc west that the Chiefs are in, I would be, I would be surprised if every team went ten and seven. So yeah, I, yeah, dude, it's not to get too deep into football talk, but it's going to be a pretty wild season to watch for the AFC. But uh, yeah. looking forward to fall, I think that's for dang sure. And uh, Mr. Cooper Gallant, who we're having on the show today, I think is probably in the same mindset of he's probably pretty excited for some fall fishing. And uh, we're going to get him on here in a second, but really fast, a couple notes for you guys. Yeah, what's up with off. you, Bailey? I didn't even ask. I apologize. Oh, no, because there's, there's nothing to report, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been grinding away, man. Uh, three-day weekend coming up, so a lot of filming. I got some cool stuff in the works, but I don't want to announce it just yet. Uh, once the first publication is out, which kind of, I guess, kind of let it slip a little bit there, but... Uh, we'll keep rookie, the doors open. Rookie uh, mistake. We'll we'll, uh, we'll let you guys in on what's what's new. But uh, big congrats to Mr. Brandon Polinick and the team for another Angler of the Year finish. Uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to see the drama that happened uh, go down on, on the Mississippi River. We'll have our fantasy fishing recap show uh, coming up here soon. We'll announce who the winner is of our group. Have some fun with it, and then uh, lastly, the winner. Before we get- so is the winner the one who wins the special prize or the one who came in first place? 
no, because the technically the loser gets the special prize. So it's yeah. <laughs> so like fantasy a, football, guys. You're, like if you're getting a prize, wouldn't you be the winner? It's not a prize. It's or a the we. I won't go there. <laughs> yeah, no. Let's let's not. Let's not do that. But regardless, more to come on that. So stay tuned. But uh, and then lastly, uh, we only have. Six more days if you guys want to use the uh, new Omnia code for 20% off site-wide on your whole order. That's nice. code SERIOUS20. It'll be down in the show notes if you guys want to go get some tackle for 20% off. Like, literally, it's all site-wide is 20%, uh, and it's on your entire order. Um, so make do with that. you got six more days until September 5th, and that code is done. But without further ado, let's bring him on here. Mr. Cooper Glant from his truck down in the Chesapeake Bay. What's going on, dude? How's it going, guys? How's the how's the road life treating you? It's good. It's good. Um, yeah, I made the adventure up to Upper Chesapeake, and Derby's in seven or eight days. Figured I'd come down a little bit earlier. I was gonna do the Potomac for a few days, and then once I got out on Chesapeake and realized how gigantic it was, I'm like, maybe I'll just stay here and spend four or five days just driving up all the creeks and ditches and it's insane the amount of water so um it's going to be a grinder event but i'm looking forward to it the truck life good yeah you, you got it's what four more opens left so you're you're coming on the home stretch here yeah four more um just over halfway halfway through the season and four more basically back to back to back last one is at the end of october yeah oh. last one's rayburn, your... right? what's that last one's rayburn isn't it uh yep that's an interesting time to go to texas yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting uh the next four derbies is gonna be interesting it's gonna be it i think it's gonna be the most difficult part of the season for sure um especially with chesapeake this time year it's gonna be a grind and then red river apparently it's always a grind um hartwell and rayburn they should be a little bit more fun but yeah. yeah, it couldn't be any more like geographically separated as well. Like, how I many know. you're tra- you've got to be traveling like 10,000 miles over the next four weeks? Yeah, pretty close to it. So, I, I, I put it on Google Maps, and this is going from my house to all the lakes and then back home. I'm not going home, there's, there's no point. Um, it would just be a waste of money and, and time and driving. So, it's 83 hours of driving just going from location to location to location and then back to home and that's like without going to the gas station driving you know what i mean like it all adds up and the amount of driving time that we spend behind the wheel is insane back and forth back and forth (laughs) that's what they say part-time fisherman full-time truck driver yeah yeah i don't make it in fishing then i could definitely get hired to be a truck driver (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we we should probably stop talking about how much professional anglers talk, though, because the DOT is going to eventually catch on and start making you guys do like driver logs, and yeah. that would just that would really ruin everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, now you just expose it, Andrew. Yeah, Mr. I'm just saying the DOT is nuts. Like they'll they'll find a way. Oh, I'm sure. But uh, so, dude, we're going to get into that in a little bit here, you know, talking about all these tournaments all over the place. And especially when you're coming from Canada, I'm super intrigued to kind of your preparation, the things you do when you're not in a tournament setting to kind of help prepare for getting on these fisheries. And we're going to get to that in a second. But what we do with everyone that's brand new to the show is we like to hear kind of, you know, where your roots stem from. Like, who got you into fishing in the first place? You know, what was the first fish you caught? That type of deal. Where did this all start for you? Yeah, so it. Uh, my dad's always fished. He's never bass fished. He's uh, he trolls out in Lake Ontario for for salmon, and um, my parent, my mom, dad, my two brothers, and I moved to the shores of Lake Ontario when I was five years old, and I was surrounded by obviously Lake Ontario, Bowmanville Creek, and then we have like two or three marshes right close to our house, and hundreds of lakes north of us and yeah i was just born around water and and uh got into it at a very young age my first fish was probably a sunfish but the first fish that i can remember was a largemouth i caught off the dock at potash lake 
and it was a cottage my parents had rented for the weekend. And it was a big one too. It was like a four pounder. I caught it on a bobber and a worm. And uh, I I have the worst memory. I, I really do. And I don't know how I remembered that back from when I was that little, but I remember every second of it. And uh, yeah, again, just grew up around water, fish for steelhead in the creeks, carp, catfish, pike in all the marshes, and then bass, obviously, in all the lakes close by. Lake Ontario with my dad trolling for salmon. Um, I still do it all. I still am a multi-species guy. I don't just bass fish. Um, I love fishing for anything that swims, but I do have a special place in my heart for, for tournament fishing. And, and that all started when I was 13 years old. I joined uh, the Bass Nation, started fishing the high school stuff in Ontario and was lucky and fortunate enough to make it down to the States to fish the national championship with bass for the high school program. And that's kind of where it all started. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it ever since and I am obsessed with it. Yeah. I, that's, that's perfect because that was going to lead into my next question was like, you know, if your dad wasn't big on the whole bass thing, like how did you get into tur- the tournament scene? But uh, I, I'm intrigued because if, if folks haven't checked out your YouTube channel, that's also down in the show notes. You guys, I highly encourage you doing that. But uh, you do some pretty cool series. I mean, not only, you know, your chase for the elites, uh, that series you do, but you also have one where it's, uh, I mean, you can obviously explain this a lot better, but you guys like go and chase like around the, basically it seems like the whole dang country uh, of well, whether it's Canada or the United States or whatever, you know, chasing different species. So like why, why bass? Why did you choose bass? How did you get that kind of special place in your heart for chasing bass? Um, I don't know. Like it's, it just, the first tournament I ever won was on the St. Lawrence river as a high school tournament with bass nation. And I think the biggest thing about me loving the bass fishing so much is just the whole competitive side of it. Um, you know, I love catching a smallmouth just as much as I love catching a steelhead in the river, um, or a carp in the marsh, but the whole competitive side of things and putting the pieces of the puzzle together prior to the tournament, um, and just trying to figure out different ways to catch them. And you're constantly learning. That's the biggest thing I like the most about the whole tournament thing is you're constantly learning. Um, and I don't know, I'm just the whole competitive thing I'm obsessed with. And it's been a, it's been a blast and uh, I'll do it the rest of my life. hundred percent. Hell yeah. Uh, and so for the folks as well too, like uh, that, uh, video series you do your your brother like, it's kind of like a family deal to an extent right your brother films it and everything right yeah so for the road trip it's called the road trip and it's like you said it's a video series that we do and basically just films designed to try and inspire others to travel and scratch that next fishing adventure off their bucket list so we do five episodes a year it's me and my brother and really whoever wants to come like if we're going somewhere, we'll call up some buddies and we'll be like, oh, we're going to wherever, British Columbia. Do you want to go? And if they can come, they can come. You know, it's it's just all about being with good friends and, again, scratching that next fishing adventure off our, off our bucket list. And all these films that we do are we go to locations we've never been to. We try to go fish for species we've never fished for before. So it's fun. We have a blast doing it. And I'm super lucky that um, Colin is – is uh so good at filming and all that and it works out good he does all the filming for the road trip series and then i do all the editing and stuff and no it works out and tanner my other brother he he uh he's gonna start coming on a lot more trips with us in the near future we got one planned this fall we're gonna go to outer banks and in uh south carolina so it's gonna be uh two more episodes we're gonna film this year heck yeah well, yeah. you got a lot of the uh, the series fans in the chat here. People are boasting about it in the comments. But, oh, cool. uh, again, that's all linked down below if people want to check that out. Like, again, I highly, highly encourage highly encourage that. I've been a big fan of the uh, you know, going after the Elite Series, you know, following along with you, especially that series you've been doing because uh, I think people can learn from it. And one thing I've noticed, too, is just kind of how diverse you are as an angler. Like, you're, you're, there's not, you're not a kind of – the guy that's, you know, I'm going to stick to, you know, three different techniques or patterns that I'm confident in. Like, it seems you're pretty well-versed 
when it comes to, you know, going around the country, being faced with kind of different situations. Do you think Canada is like where you grew up or it might even be part of traveling, but you know, has that helped you like we're at the stage you're at now when you come see all these new lakes all over the country? Do you think it helped it helped you? I think so, yeah, between, between us having several different bodies of water back home and then me fishing for a variety of different species growing up, I think that's helped me as well. But um, yeah, like as far as the lakes we have back home, like we've got clear lakes full of giant smallmouth, clear rock lakes. We have muddy lakes full of milfoil and cane and grass. And, you know, we have lakes that are tea stain color. We have lakes that have deep largemouth, lakes that have shallow largemouth, you know. So we have a lot of different bodies of water um, and maybe maybe that's that's helped me i think it has um but yeah it's pretty everyone thinks like oh we're even like with chris and Corey, like when they first got on the elites everyone's like oh they can catch large mode too like everyone a lot of people think oh we have a small mouth but we have a lot of large mouth really good large mouth lakes back home as well and uh i was actually just on a podcast the other night and like when we go to florida that feels like home like some of our lakes look exactly like that so it's it's pretty cool and we're we're super lucky to have that many different types of fisheries back home that's pretty much the whole trenton river system like that canal system right with those lakes come off because that goes from what huron basically to bay of quinty right yeah there's all those chain of lakes off of it exactly so there's that whole chain there's literally like if you look at a map like up halliburton all north of us there's hundreds and hundreds of lakes it's mm-hmm. insane yeah i remember uh chris this past weekend on mississippi like verbatim him saying exactly where a lot of people when they when they got on the tour for flw were saying how like, all oh, these guys are gonna be you know don't worry about them you know down south you know they're gonna be smallmouth guys and they come and wreak havoc on in the south yeah. especially like i mean dude there's some of the best sight fishermen in the entire tour like on, at the pro level like i don't think people realize that like like he was saying at mississippi river that he feels more at home there than he might at the st lawrence river because that's exactly what it's like for you guys up there when, you know growing up uh, i thought that's something that i like you you hit it on the head is some people don't realize especially being from canada i feel in my personal opinion you know and just from talking to you and talking to some other folks that are from that area I think you guys are more well-versed than we are down here in New York and especially the majority of the States. Like I don't think people realize the diversity of fisheries you guys have up there and how many there are. Like it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's just crazy. Like Simcoe, for example, it's Clearwater Lake. You need smallmouth to win and you're catching giant smallmouth in crystal clear water and, you know, three to 10 feet of the water usually summertime that's that's the deal you're sight fishing them and then you can literally drive 10 minutes north and fish like a lake that's mud and you're fishing milfoil and pod patches it's pretty crazy the that's awesome that's so if you had a preference let me ask you that like are you a guy that likes to pick up you know the the light line spinning rods or do you like to pick up the braid and the big sticks and go shallow like what's what's your confidence like what would you rather do um, I love both. Um, like I love, lar- like I love leaning into a big largey and draining that bugger in the boat. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to pick. I'd probably pick smallmouth. Um, I'd probably say I'm more comfortable catching smallmouth. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I, I like doing both. I really do. Um, it's a, it's a hard question. I don't think like, and, and a guy like yourself that chases everything that swims, I feel like that's a very hard question to ask, yeah. but I just figured we throw it out there. But I think if anything, that answer to the question for you, is just, there is no answer because yeah. as long as it's the bite's good, let me catch something. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're, I feel like you're a guy that's like, I don't care what the bite is, but if they're biting, that's all that matters. Like I don't need to, I don't have to catch them flipping, but if they're going to eat whatever I'm throwing. Yeah, I know for sure. As long as they're, as long as they're eating, that's all that matters. Yeah. Amen to that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing nothing worse than trying to force a bite. That, that is, (laughs) it's spoken like a, uh, 
a veteran and I, tournament angler. That's <laughs> and I do. I still do it till this day. Like I'll go out on some bodies of water back home when I want to catch them on a drop shot or I want to catch them on a jig and just not eat. But yeah, there's I'm nothing fine. worse than tying up one jig and trying to flip with it for four hours and not getting a bite and being like. Yeah. I should probably change. Oh, that milfoil looks good. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's so. That's going to bring my my next question for you is like, when you're not in a tournament setting, you know, like we either you're practicing or you're actually fishing a dirt. Like you don't have to be anywhere, but you're, you know, like you mentioned, you're not driving home to these. You're going around different lakes. You're you're fishing. You're learning some different bodies of water. You know, are you taking days where you're taking a technique that maybe you want to get better with and like what you just said is forcing it in your hands where you might not, it might not be the best thing to, to catch them on at that time, but it's going to be something where you get more comfortable using it in a setting. Like how do you, how do you best use your time off when you're not, uh, you know, traveling or. Yeah. To be honest with you this year, I really, I really haven't had days where I've not been practicing or not been, like, I really haven't had those days this year where I could just, you know, oh, let's do this. Let's go explore this body of water. I haven't had a whole lot of time to do that. Um, and even, like, in between these opens, I probably won't even do it. I'll probably just go to the wherever I'm staying and clean the boat, get organized. And I spend a lot of time doing my filming, too, which, like, for the chase videos, I'm on my own. So I'll usually spend three, four days straight just flying the drone setting the tripod up on shore. So I really haven't had a whole lot of time to go to different lakes and try different tech, new techniques and stuff like that. But like during practice and stuff, I'm not scared to pick something up I've never thrown or try and do something that I don't have a lot of confidence in that I feel like might be the ticket. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that just kind of happens as I, as I go throughout practice and stuff. I kind of just, like if I'm not catching them, I gotta think outside the box a little bit and try something different. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, when you made that leap to go, you know, fish all nine opens, what's you know coming down the states, spending a lot of time down here and fishing? Like I mean, we just talked about the four last four opens being like completely different geographically. You know, what's been the biggest adjustment for you? You know, coming down here and seeing completely new like fisheries. Yeah, it's uh, it's different. Like I said, this last half of the season is going to be more grinding. It's going to be really tough. Um, honestly, I, I try not to think about it a whole lot. I just like to back the boat in and uh, just go fishing and kind of just try and figure it out as I go. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a hard. I, I don't really know how to answer that one. I kind of just wing it, I guess. I don't know. I used to do a lot more homework back home, but uh, it's never really worked for me. Because as you guys know, like things are always changing. You watch videos from past tournaments. Oh, they won on these boat docks. And very rarely is it ever one doing that the again. Same. Fish yeah. are constantly moving different times of the year. And so, I don't know. I, I kind of just, I spend a lot of time looking at a map, though, before I come to tournaments. Like, I'll go... Before I go to bed at night, I'll just stare at my Navionics at random lakes down south. Like, I'm addicted I'm to just staring at contour lines, you know? Um, but between that, Google Earth and just packing the boat up, that's pretty well. Pretty well, all I do. And it's, it's, uh, oh, that's what I like to do. I say it seems to be working for you pretty well this year. So I'll yeah. take it. I ain't broken. No, don't fix something that's, that's right. working. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you definitely have more confidence than kind of just free floating. I shouldn't say free floating, but like I feel like very rarely, if you even hear about it at all, you don't hear about guys saying, you know, I got on this pattern because I saw some YouTube video. Like you don't see that happen. It's it's typically what you what you hear about uh, and I've been fortunate on from a full time gig, I've been able to talk to a lot of guys that are winning these tournaments and getting like the background information and it's like you don't get to a lot of the guys that, that win aren't like they kind of just put like you said they put the boat in and kind of oh this is the time of year taking the settings and they kind of just go to work it's not 
you know, doing a month straight of research, you know, yeah. until two or three in the morning, like reading books back from like the history of Lake Fork type crap. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of like you're letting your instincts play. Like, is that exactly kind of your mold for how you approach these, these opens and the, for practice? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. As far, yeah. hundred percent. Like I'll do some, like a lot of these bodies of water this year, I've never been to. So it's like, I'll do some research on like, what the deal is like like basic stuff right like upper chesapeake for example like you have one giant grass flat and then you got a lot of wood and some riprap bank um, just very basic um baits as far as anything else yeah just back the boat in go fishing and and try and figure it out pray for five yeah is what it comes down to pray for them. <laughs> yeah I feel like one thing, and you correct me if I'm wrong, um, that a lot of guys, I shouldn't say a lot. I think I think a lot of guys look at it, but not many guys know how to use it as an advantage um, in terms of looking up kind of like what the, the local weights have been, you know, leading up to an event. Like, oh, like, oh, it might be a fun term. It might not. And that's about as the extent of what they see, but they don't actually use that as like a strategy, if that makes any sense, where... Like where guys will say like this is the like a pound like you can kind of establish a somewhat of a a cut weight and it kind of help you either one manage fish or kind of help you strategize a tournament. Is that is that something that you make like use of or am I kind of off there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, one hundred percent. Because the last thing you want to do is like especially in my situation, like I'm not trying to. Like, yeah, I'm trying to win every tournament, but it's getting to the point now where I just need to make sure I get four top 40s, basically, four top 30s, right? So it's like, yeah, I I need to have an idea of what it's going to take to get a top 40 or a top 30 here on Upper Chesapeake or any of the next tournaments. Um, is it going to be 15 a day? Is it going to be 10 and a half, 11 a day, right? So it's definitely good to get an idea because the last thing I want to do and the last thing a lot of these guys want to do is burn too many fish and be throwing fish back after getting to the next one. Yeah. Right. Right. For are you kind of guy that's like you'll get up right around sunrise for practice, get off by dinner time? Or are you one that's like grinding you know, out an hour before sunrise and back after dark? No, I'm I'm out, yeah, every sun's going down when I'm pulling the boat out. Yeah, I'm not, not going to lie. There's there's some mornings I don't get out there till about eight o'clock. But the mornings um, are a little bit harder than uh, getting out in the evening. That's for dang yeah, sure. Yeah, oh yeah. I'll, I'll stay right out till dark. But I have a. I could be leading the biggest turn of my life, and I still have a hard time waking up. I am the worst for getting up first in the morning. <laughs> the first so morning, don't even talk to me. <laughs> So you are definitely not the first guy at the ramp, is what you're saying. <laughs> no. Pretty you're rolling in just on time. Yeah. I'm usually <laughs> the last one off. Oh, that's funny. So when you're when you're down here, obviously and you're traveling, uh, you know, you mentioned we can, we kind of touched on it briefly earlier, where you're spending a lot of your more of your off time, you know, getting the boat ready, getting prepped for the next tournament. You know, kind of doing your, your YouTube series stuff, which I don't think people realize how much of a grind it is to do a, have a successful YouTube channel and do it consistently. I think that is very underestimated. Um, but what are the what are the things are you doing? You know, from a tournament angle that's as, as consistent and as successful. Like, are you doing to kind of develop your skills or kind of hone in your your tournament? I guess uh, what would you want to call it? Kind of like your routine. Yeah, a lot of it's just I like to say organized, but I'm not I'm not that organized. All my buddies back home chirp me all the time. I see my boat right now, it's a disaster, but I try to stay organized. Um respool rod, just get ready and just get mentally prepared. Just kind of get in the groove of things and just be focused on on what's to come. I think that's the biggest thing for me is just staying focused and and I travel alone. I got a lot of buddies who do the opens and stuff. But to be honest, I like doing it solo. I like I like my alone time, especially for the derbies and 
I just get in this this weird zone I'm by myself, breaking up rods, and just thinking about the the whole week and the in the tournament. And I think that's the biggest thing for me during my off time is just just sitting in my boat is is my happy place and just getting everything ready. And, yeah, yeah. And so then, you're not a fan of back talk, is what you're saying? No, not at all. I hate it. <laughs> I'll, I'll second that. Yeah, I uh, growing up, I used to used to get info and stuff from friends, and and I used to get in and all the dog talk, and it's burnt me more more times than none, one hundred percent. So from then on, I'm just like I'm just gonna start doing my own thing, and it's uh, it's it's helped me out a little bit, and I'm just gonna keep rolling with it for the rest of the season. Absolutely, I, yeah, I'm it, not a fan of the doc doc talk. It, you can have one thing going on, and then as soon as you hear it, you automatically revert to what everybody else is because you're like, I got to try this, I got to do that. Yeah. Now your day becomes shorter because you're so focused on what you're not doing. Exactly. So it, that's, what's, that's what's so crazy about fishing. Like Andy and Andy Bailey, you guys could have two separate things going on and two total opposite sides of the lake, and you guys could both be on winning fish. So, like, Bailey, you could tell Andy, like, oh, I'm catching them doing this. Andy, even though you're on winning fish and you're doing the right thing, he's got you thinking you're doing the wrong thing. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Like, that's what's so crazy about it is you're confident what you're doing. You can just fish your strengths and do, yeah. do your own thing. It'll work out better that way. Yeah. It's such a mental game. I mean, I mean yeah. people say it all the time. But I mean, it's – it's nothing further from the truth. It's, it's, uh, when, it, when you hear that doc talk, and I think that there's many, many anglers that fall victim to this is you, you get this, these preconceived notions and you, you might hear it before you even go out on the water for like your, say your first day on a brand new body of water. And you hear from a guy that had one day out prior to you <clears throat> what he was doing. And you hear one thing and it becomes a block, a mental block in your brain to either yeah. avoid something or to focus on something. Whereas if you had a free mind, you might've gone down the right direction. Yeah. And I feel like that burns more anglers. And I, then I think there's a lot of anglers that could be really good if they got away from either one, trying to get information or two, sure. stop listening to that. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I still, I still talk to buddies. Like I, I call buddies and whatever. Okay. And yeah. A network. Yeah. We chat throughout the week about fishing and stuff, but you just got to learn to take it like nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think you learn as you, as you go on, like it's good to have, and it's valuable to have uh, a network of anglers that you can talk to. And especially ones that you can actually trust yeah. what they say, uh, because I think there's definitely something to be said for people that you can, it's not more or less doc talk, but more, you're like, like Andrew, for example, like if I'm out at a tournament, you know, I've been, I'm still in the kayak right now. So like, I'll try, I'll drive down Chickamauga for a Hobie event and call Andrew and like walk through my practice, not for like asking for stuff, but it like, it almost kind of helps you mentally walk through like a game plan. You know what I mean? It kind of helps you kind of clear your mind where it's, and, and he's not like putting in input. He's just like, just kind of nodding along, just like, Almost like a therapist. <laughs> it's kind of what it is. <laughs> I feel like having a network like that is actually pretty valuable. Like people you yeah. can bounce stuff off of. It's, yeah, for sure. And it's just asking like little questions. You're like, you know, I'm throwing this walking bait, but they're missing it by like four feet. Do you think it's color or should I go to a popper? And like kind of walking through those situations oh. as well. Because like sometimes you're doing the right thing, but it's a simple tweak. Exactly. Just by talking it out, you're like, ah, light bulb. All right, and then all of a sudden you start putting them in the boat. So, yeah, we got a, a question here in the comments from uh, Team Bass Pack, and he's asking who your favorite angler was growing up. So, to be honest with you, the guys I looked up to the most was all the Canadian boys, one hundred percent, Chris, Corey, and Gussie. Um, just because growing up, like before they even. Started destroying down south, which happened pretty quickly once they got down there. Um, Canadians, Canadians thought it was next to impossible for for us to come down here and, and do well in tournaments. So, seeing them do that was 
super, super cool to watch. So I've always looked up to them. And who else? BP. Brandon, 100%. He's uh, hard not to. Yeah, you still get it every, like, between the social media he does, between his whole thought process behind everything is just incredible. And then his confidence and, and mindset toward competitive fishing is, is just super cool to watch. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that one, that one was one Colin that grew up was that's the guy kind of who I had always had eyes on, especially more not really watching more or less his results from tournaments, but more kind of had my ears open to whenever he was speaking because mm-hmm. that dude is a foundation of knowledge. Uh, while he's like one of the best anglers in the world in terms of talent, I think he's the best angler in the world when it comes to the mental process of tournament bass fishing. 100%. I think he's, by, I think he's on a different level than yeah. anybody else. For and that's sure. the stuff that like, I think when we had a while ago, um, there, there's two examples. We had Gary Klein on, but we also, uh, there was an episode of BTO with Matt Steffen where they talked about how not enough anglers were uh, studying the mental side of fishing, where you could be as talented in the world, but like if your mental stuff's not right, you're going to suck. Yeah. And I think that's why you see a bunch of like dang hammers out there that are struggling right yeah. now. I think it's all all up here. Whereas if they kind of worked on the mental side, it might be a little better. But I feel like seventy percent of it is mental. At the very least, because if you're not in it, you might as well put your boat on the trailer and at home. That's in it. You're never going to catch them. Yeah, you're not going to make a clean cast. You're going to be slamming your jig in the water instead of being quiet. Like nothing goes right. You running the trolling motor on nine instead of three, like. It's just, it's a bad combo to not mentally be in it. Just sure. even when you're out fun fishing, trying to learn, if you're just getting angry at everything, you might as well, like you said, put it on a trailer and go home because yep. it's just not going to work. It's just going to yeah. snowball and get worse. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you kind of like the, when you're on the water, you know, I mean, fun fishing, it's hard for a lot of people, I think, to get mad. Uh, if you do, then there's probably some issues here and there, but. Uh, like if you're tournament fishing and things are kind of spiraling, I mean, are you the kind of guy that you know just kind of just shrug it off, or do you find yourself get a little worked up a little bit? Like, do you wear no, emotion I, on your sleeve? No, I think I'm I'm pretty good at shaking it off, um, just because I know you don't like. The quicker you shake it off, the better you're off you're gonna be for the rest of the day. So yeah. having that in the back of your head, it's a no brainer just to shake it off <laughs> like either right. i either i don't shake it off and i'm not fishing properly for the next half hour hour or i shake it off i get my head back in it i'm fishing good to go right away um i'd be lying if i said like there is times 100 percent where you know it's hard to shake it off and it <laughs> takes a good time to we're know, human like exactly we're not robots <laughs> so <laughs> As much as we try to be while we're fishing. To Unless you're Jason Curry, group. that guy's a robot. Yeah. Yeah. Or Jacob Wheeler. Like, <laughs> yeah. one or the other. No emotion. No. <laughs> it is just tunnel vision. That's basically what it is. But no, but there's, hey, there's definitely times where I get a little little flustered. But like I said, the sooner you can shake it off, the better you're off. So while we're talking about shaking it off, what is your go-to technique to shake it off? Are you a guy that like sits down and grabs a snack or do you just retie your bait? Like what do you do to refocus yourself? Cause everybody does it a little differently, but how would you refocus yourself to get back into the moment? Just keep fishing. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think the, I don't think the guys that, you know, take like a five, 10 minute break, I, I think that's like a, a hindrance. I think as an angler, if you have to, if you have to sit down for a little while, I think like I, I I say this, and this was totally me like a while ago. I've I've come in waves for from a mental standpoint, but like the guys that lose a fish and then lay on the boat deck for like fifteen minutes, I don't know how those guys oh. do that. 
Oh, I, that makes me laugh. Like me. Those are the guys you can get in their head before the tournament and it'll ruin their whole day. Oh, those are the guys that I want to fish against because as soon as a sprinkle falls down, they're like losing their mind and running 100 <laughs> miles an hour because it's going to rain. I, I got to catch them before it rains. Like, you're going to lay on the deck, at least toss your rod out there and then lay down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Like Tyler Rivette on Oahu. Did you guys see that? Oh, that was hilarious. He was sitting like crisscrossed, like. On the front deck, fishing like a Carolina rig, and he's just like, I haven't had a bite in a while. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was like, because he he was throwing a Carolina rig, and this is like the day where he like kind of made uh, for him to make day four, and he was only catching my Carolina rig, but it's like painfully slow. Yeah. He's sitting there on live. He goes, "This sucks," and he's like sits down. <laughs> he's just like slowly dragging. Goes, "That's a bite," and like sets the hook sitting down and like stands up. It was great. It was hilarious. That's cool. I need to see yeah. that. I think they got a clip of it on uh, Bassmaster's YouTube channel. Nice. I'll find it afterwards to send it to you. But, uh, dude, I, I love these conversations around the mental side of things. I, I don't know why. I'm just so infatuated with that kind of stuff. And I think the guys that can do really well, like you talked about, Coop, that can just literally – like you see, I think, a great example of it that people have seen. I think there's a bunch of guys that do it, but they, most people have seen is like when Kevin Van Dam loses a fish, you don't see any motion. You don't see him slam the rod. You know, yep. He just reels back in, cast out again. No, nothing, nothing happens. No acknowledgement it ever happened. Like <laughs> those are the guys that that's the reason they're at the tier they're at. From a mental standpoint, for or, sure. Or like twenty minutes after, I'd be like, "Did you see that fish I lost?" And he just keeps going. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what? <laughs> yeah, everyone else has forgotten about it at that point. I mean, there's definitely fish that you could lose that are like gut punches, like yeah. you're saying, that are a, a little bit like that extra, like. A little bit harder to get over than the rest of them. But I think if if you really try to drill yourself to stay positive, like it's, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, to to be honest, it really is. But I think if you can actually, like it actually works though. Like if you can remain positive and just know that you lost that fish, there's nothing you can do about it now besides catch the next one. You find that your day typically turns out a lot better. And if it doesn't, you're not as pissed about it. Drive it home afterwards. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so one little quick sidebar I have for you, and I meant to ask you this earlier in the show when I heard it, but I didn't want to uh, derail the conversation while it was good. Uh, I know you, you noticed you met, you used the term chirped. I don't think a lot of people know what that means in the states, but I think the guys that play hockey know what chirped means. Did, did you grow up playing hockey? I I I did. Like I wasn't. I played till I was about fourteen, and then I kind of stopped so I could snowboard. Um, oh. Bailey, let's be stereotypical real fast. Anyone that's born across the border is born with a stick and a puck in their hands. Okay, like fair. it just happens. <laughs> like once you get across the Great Lakes, it just happens. So yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we all played. All my brothers played hockey growing up, but we got out of it uh, at a pretty young age to do the whole snowboarding thing. And then uh, I don't even follow hockey to be honest with you anymore at all. You don't have much time. <laughs> I mean, if you're a Maple Leafs or a Montreal fan, it's kind of hard to be a hockey yeah. fan. So, <laughs> just yeah. fair. <laughs> this is very just fair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, to avoid all the the sports talk, we'll, we'll dodge that. I just uh, I've been a hockey nut my entire life, and I heard chirps, and I was like, "Hey, you must yeah. play hockey," because there's only a, a select group of pe- group of people that know what chirp means. Yeah. Because you say that you say that down here to anybody, like if talking about your buddies getting chirped or your buddies chirping you, whatever. The, huh? They're like, they're like, what does that even what? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, never mind. You're, you're from Georgia. You don't know what the, the sport of hockey even is, so I won't even get into it. But like, it's it's funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, dude, kind of looking ahead, you know, we got Chesapeake Bay coming up. Uh, obviously, that one's on the uh, the burner for you right now. Um, I know we even kind of talked about it a little bit in terms of it's going to be a struggle. It might be tough. You know, a limit could go a long way here. But uh, any other things you anticipate coming from this uh, from this open? Um, all I know is it's going to not it's not going to be easy. I mean, I, I really don't know how it's all going to shape out. You know, we have some derbies like even this year. There's a few tournaments where I'm like, you can catch. 16 a day, 15 a day, you're going to have a really good tournament. Like Oneida, for example, I thought if you caught 16 a day or 15 a day, you'd be in the top 10, and I was so wrong. I smashed them. 
Um, so that that could be could be what happens here on Chesapeake. It could be all of a sudden just everyone starts catching them because it does happen throughout these tournaments. Practice is terrible, and all of a sudden they just start chewing. So, but I think either way, like it's it's not going to be an easy tournament. Um, I don't think it. Like I've looked at previous results here from the past years, this time of year, and it's it's a grind. Like there's several eight to ten sacks, and then the yeah. odd twelve to fifteen sacks, or there'll be a lot of twelves, thirteens, but. I think if you get 13 a day, you'll have a good tournament. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what's what's going to come from it because it's an interesting fishery like we were talking about briefly offline before we got on the show. Um, it's a cool fishery. I really think it is. I, I don't yeah. think it gets a lot of uh, the recognition that it deserves, especially for the right times of year when this place can show out. I mean, they they catch 10-pounders out of this place. They live there. So there's the fish are there. It's oh, yeah. a pretty diverse fishery, especially, you know, we talked, like we were saying earlier, it's connected to saltwater. So yeah. be some interesting patterns that play, for sure. Yeah, it'll be, uh, like you said, there's a lot of different things you can do. There's, you know, giant grass flat that several boats are going to be on. <laughs> several. <laughs> Half the field. Get in line. <laughs> they live in it, though. I mean, that they're there. Um, you got the river. Apparently there's smallmouth up there, and then yeah, there's just so much stuff. Oh, the susky on the, on the river that you can fish between rock, wood, laydowns, docks, um, pads. It's so big. It's uh, it's, it's crazy how big it is. But no, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to. It. I love fishing new bodies of water. Um, that's one of my favorite things about this whole tournament deal is just going to these new places and, and trying to figure it out. Absolutely. Since you've been going after the opens here, I mean, is there one? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm going to assume Cherokee's your favorite, being that you uh, got a you know nice trophy to come home with that. But is there a body of water that's just kind of like your favorite down here since you've been starting this tournament deal? Um, yeah, like Cherokee's up there for sure. <laughs> I bet. Um, going into this year, the one I was one of the two I was looking forward to the most. The two I was looking forward to the most was the James River and Oneida. Um, the James, I like grindy tournaments. I like tidal water. I don't consider myself good at it, so I, I don't know why I like it. Mm-hmm. And I, it was my it's worst. Because it's different. Yeah. It was, it was my worst finish of the year on the James. And it was the one I, one I was looking forward to the most. Um, again, I don't know why I look forward to that one. Again, different, but yeah. Um, yeah, we fished it last year. I didn't do good last year either, but I was looking forward to kind of getting some redemption there this year, and I did even worse. So, but, based yeah. off of this logic, he's going to leave the Red River and say it's his favorite fishery of all time. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> I don't know about that. I'm just messing. But no, Oneida was one I was like really looking forward to as well. And then Cherokee I was too, but that wasn't even like it was it wasn't what I expected. It was it was yeah, it wasn't what I expected. For sure. Well, dude, I was a big fan of the video that came out on the YouTube channel from that because that technique is so freaking fun. Uh, I know that there's some people that will think that's boring, but until you do it, it is it is a ride. It really is. And it, it's not easy to do, too, which is what I think what makes it kind of fun is because it's relatively challenging to position it right. But that's for a whole other episode, because if you get me down that rabbit hole, I'm not going to stop talking about it. So I'll have to have you back on for a, a technique specific show. Yeah. But uh, but, dude, you've been you've been uh, it's been awesome to get you on here and you've been sitting in your truck for about almost an hour now uh, on the show with us. So, well, uh, if Andy's got anything for you, uh, we'll, we'll let those rip. And then if not, we got two more questions to wrap the show. Uh, you can just tell with the questions. We'll let him get some sleep. So, <laughs> I think you just want some sleep, Andy. You sound oh, exhausted. <laughs> I am. I, I don't know if you can see it, but underneath my eyes here, like it oh, hurts, yeah. but we're, we're, <laughs> we're grinding through. So, you know, yeah, still got a bucket list of things to do. It's fine. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> All 
All right, Coop. So we got two more questions for you to wrap up the show. Uh, and it's been a while since we've been able to ask these because we haven't, you're the first guy in, in, a, in a little bit here that's been new to the show. Uh, and that is, well, one, I'm going to ask, we usually don't ask this one, but I'm just curious because you're a multi-species guy, but to put bass on the side, what species are you chasing after if you could only choose one? That's a hard question. <laughs> we're, putting uh, you, we're putting you on the spot. Like back home, I'd probably say steelhead in the rivers. Yeah, so float fishing for steelhead when they come up and spawn in the in the spring, and then they also we get a big push in the fall, and and it's fun. It's we even catch them through the ice. It's it's a blast. And it's cool. You get to look at them. You get to see how they react to your bait, and and uh, not always. After we get a big rain, it gets pretty muddy, and you gotta switch things up a bit, but pretty fun watching the float drop and having that 13 foot rod with a center pin and dragging him to the bank it's a lot of fun you know it's funny is i've been trying to get bailey to go steelhead fishing for like two years he's like it's not bass i'm it, like all right it's so <laughs> see i want to do it i want to do it so bad but the day she has to do it it's like a day you can get on erie and i'm sitting there I'm like yeah. small mouth like i can't like leave him <laughs> i don't I'm just drilled like in my brain where like, oh. dude, I'll be, I'll be down South in Florida and I'll be fishing mangroves for snook and I'm picturing largemouth. Like, it's just like, I can't help it. It's just kind of how my brain's wired. Yeah. I can't get them out of my head. All right. Yeah. What are you going to say? Anything I cut you off? I was going to say the one big thing about steelhead though, like steelhead fishing, it helps you learn so much about smallmouth in river systems because they set up almost identically. It's just you're going from six inches to eight foot of water to six inches to 70 foot of water. It, but the bottom composition is basically the same on how they set up in current breaks and seams. So you can learn a lot from it. I guess I can give up one day of smallmouth fishing to go try steelhead. Well, I'd always ask you like December to go. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's only like two days all of December that you can get on Erie. So, like, <laughs> Twist my arm, twist my arm. But yeah. all right, Coop. So our last question for you, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go here, is if you could go to dinner and have a nice steak and a beer with three different individuals that don't have to be fishing related. It could be sports related. They could be alive a thousand years ago. Doesn't matter. Any any three people. So you get to pick three people to go have dinner, steak, beer, and pick their brain. Who are you gonna invite? So they're they're gonna be all fishermen. <laughs> um, ABD. Okay. Um. Sorry, right, guys. KVD. Oh, you're good. You're fine. Some people take like ten minutes to answer all three, so you're fine. Take as much time as you need. <laughs> I don't know. KVD, Polinek, and well. He's going the fishing route. Nice. <laughs> Starting off with some royalty. I can't think of anyone right now. <laughs> it's the spot. When you get put on the spot, it's very oh, hard. Yeah. This but is why we be... don't give any prep to it because it's actually kind of funny to watch some guys <laughs> be like, damn it, I don't know. Like, but they... <laughs> and then we'll get like a text 10 minutes later. Like, damn, I should have said this guy. Like, hey, It's kind of funny. But it's, it's cool. It's a cool concept to think about. KVD and Polonek. You need one more, bud. I need one more. <laughs> he's just going to save that extra seat for more beer. I mean, that's what he's going to do. More beer, yes. <laughs> I don't know. We'll let it slide. I'll go out for dinner with Mercer. <laughs> yeah. Mercer can't right? live that too far from you. No, he's like 20 minutes from me. No, that's easy. No. Well, dude. That's awesome. Uh, and so has uh, having you on the show. I appreciate you, you taking the time out. Uh, learned a bunch. And we're looking forward to seeing how you do in the Chesapeake and hopefully get you back on here real soon. Yeah. Thanks, Hector, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm sure we'll be seeing you around. If not, uh, we'll be in touch. But uh, go give them hell on, on the Chesapeake, and we'll be rooting through, uh, for you throughout the uh, remainder of the season. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it big time. And Thanks. safe travels on your 80 hours of drive time. Billy, yeah. who are- who would you eat dinner with? Oh, God. Okay. I haven't had it spun on me. 
I, okay, all right, no, I'll take it. I'll take that challenge. Um, I would, I will agree with Polnick. I think he's one I would always like the chance to get to talk to Brandon. I'd say two. Oh damn, this is hard. Is um, <laughs> I'll say, how about this? I'll say, I'll say the Rock, because I do like kind of his mentality and outlook, yeah. at least from what you see on social media and stuff. Who knows what it is behind the scenes? Um, and then, you know, I, I think it's 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 sort of cliche, but I think it'll be fair because of re, with recent trends and where this world's going, I'd be curious to see what's going on behind the scenes. But Elon Musk, I think that would be a cool one too. Be like, is it actually possible to live on Mars? <laughs> awesome, thanks, boys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Good run. Appreciate. It. We'll talk to you. Yeah, see you guys. Thank you. That was fun. I, I might have some slight bias, and this is more uh, teasing our, our uh, other uh, a bunch of our guests that we have on here. But the Canadian guys always have a little more fun on the show. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little more loose. <laughs> this I'm just I'm just messing with that. But it, it is it is good to uh, to get Coop Ryan here. We've been trying for a while, and that dude has a crazy schedule. We have crazy schedules, and it's good to get him on the show. And it will not be the last time. No, I think he'll be back on. Yeah. We got some technique stuff we really want to dive in. That'll be a heck of a lot of fun. And, uh, dude, you uh, you sound like you need some sleep. And sounds like you need to go have some you know, special alone time with your boat tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no. It's not going to be alone time. I think um, Amanda and Emmy are going to go out on the maiden voyage. So, oh, yeah. Boat yeah. rides for five hours. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just... Idling under full well, idling, driving at like under forty five hundred RPMs for two hours straight sounds like a joy in thirty mile an hour wind. So it's gonna be fun. I'll ask you where offline. We don't have to talk about it. Here. I, I don't know where I'm going yet. I still have to get all of my safety equipment in the boat. I still have to get all the lettering on the other side of my hall. I literally like because it rained all day. That was my plan from like three thirty to four thirty, but like I said, I sat down on the couch and lost all recollection of time and fell asleep. But it was downpouring, so I couldn't do it. Like I wanted to get most of it done, so now I got to get up early tomorrow morning and get it done, and then go put fifty gallons of gas in my boat and just start chipping away at the time block. <laughs> Well, I think you'll be much happier now that you have this Camus. Yes. Um, I think you once you get broken in, you'll thoroughly enjoy the new rig you got. And uh, I saw a comment earlier that you've come to the dark side of Humminbird. So I'm excited to uh, yes. help you break into those bad so, boys. So you will be proud of me. I have already switched over the waypoint management from the Humminbird to the standard. Figured that out. Um, I got my, I got to get Lake Master, but I got my Navionics wood contours, like half foot contour line. So it's the same exact mapping that I had on my Lowrance. So we're good there. It's crispy. And I got most of my waypoints came over. So we are good. Like, I'll just wait till you swap them out with Lake Master. I know. I can't wait. You'll be much better off. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, for right now until I can get a Lake Master chip because there are none in stock anywhere, my Navionics chip will work okay. It'll work. I. I it, <laughs> it, it'll get it. It'll get it done. That's for right. now. That's so right. baby steps, you know. Lot lots of lots of money just happened in the last two days. So we gotta recoup the monies that we just spent (laughs) and are spending (laughs) so yeah yes if you see andy standing on the corner throw him a couple dollars yes please (laughs) or or just book a guide trip let's go fishing (laughs) or just book a guide trip (laughs) (laughs) you never know like what happens on no i'm just kidding (laughs) that's amazing good Well, buddy, what is coming up for you besides obviously getting the boat ready? Uh, what dates can people look out for if they want to come up and catch some big old eight Lake Erie smallmouth? Because like this is about to be prime time oh, getting God. on Lake Erie and catching Lake like, Erie. Giants. Our end of Lake Ontario starts turning on in about now. I've, yeah, like we're getting some big north winds and 
Lake Ontario rolls so flips very easily. So basically, like I look for that first big lake roll, and if I get a lot of cold water up close, because I think they have like the weather buoy or whatever posts the temperature of the water. If I see a flip into the forties, I know within like two days every single smallmouth in that area will be in this one little half mile stretch that we know and we're going to be able to just rail on them but no like this is my favorite time it's it's crankbaits a rig single swim baits you can catch them from two inches of water and big ones shallow and see them swimming all the way to 65 so they're they're scattered but um some places we gotta grind for them some places we can catch a hundred like it just depends on your flavor do you want a bunch of fish or you want to go try to catch the biggest one possible so mm-hmm. whatever you want to do we can do it yeah I mean, and it's a pretty fun largemouth time too because the top water bite is about to go insane for the next like four weeks uh yeah i mean well after the next week and a half two weeks i think we're about to hit that fall transition slump where it's going to make things a little bit difficult. Yeah, I don't mind that. It's the October slump I hate more. When it goes from like 70 to like 40 degrees or high 30s at night, that is probably my least favorite time. But if you can get on them, it gets really good. And the the whole reason why I don't like that time is because normally I'm steelhead fishing, so I haven't quite figured out like the transitional largemouth bite which hopefully we will have some time this fall to put some time in. Now that we have Mega Live, Hummingbird Mega Live, forward-facing sonar on the boat. There's, hum there's in, hum in, hum in, hum in, there's hum no in. G. I like the G. Put a G in there. Humming, humming <laughs> bird. You know, I'm a Lawrence. I, I was forever a Lawrence guy, so it's a new world for me. But, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's going to be – it's fun. I've used them. I know how to navigate them. I have to remember to hit the menu button and not the view button when I want to go through settings because then it messes everything up. But we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. It's a different arrangement, but you'll be there in no time. But uh, it's going to be pretty fun. And I'm sure there'll be some more boat content, boat reviews, and some more fishing content coming up on the uh, Full of Fishing YouTube channel. If you guys are not subscribed to Andy's personal YouTube channel, that is down below in the description. I highly encourage you guys to do that because – I've been slacking because I have no boat. <laughs> we should have gotten you on the kayak in the meantime. That would have been fun. We had like one chance, and I think we were both in different places, and it just yeah. didn't work out. So, yeah. oh, well, next time. That'll be all right. Either way, uh, look out for a bunch of content coming up. Um, I got a bunch more tournament content coming up on Be the Fish. Uh, that is down below as well. Um, and good grief, we are getting spammed with the bots in these comment sections tonight. I got that one but, first. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, the big Hobie Tournament of Champions coming up in about three months. Oh, three months oh, from the dot, I think, at least yeah. third. Louisiana, man. Yeah, down the old Louisiana. Uh, but before that, we got New York State Championships coming up in two weeks. Uh, so looking forward to that. That'll be on the channel. And then I'm thinking I'm going to hop in the uh, Ike's uh, Charity Kayak Tournament coming up on October 2nd. Excuse me. Um, nice. I think that one's going to be some fun. It's down to PA, so I might as well just go drive down and keep the uh, the brain, you know. What lake fresh. is that on? I'll have to pull it up. I cannot remember. Um, but either way, it's um, got to keep the brain fresh for TOC. So going to go down there, film a bunch, pumping out a bunch more content. I have like like 14 videos and my uh, drive here that I need to edit and put out. So it's going to be a lot of editing coming up here soon. Work's keeping me busy, but uh, we're going to keep pumping out these shows, and uh, we'll have our fantasy fishing recap posted here soon. Uh, We'll let you guys know what dates that's going to be at, so look forward to that. Um, And, again, for folks that are still listening right now, uh, our code for Omnia, the Sirius 20, the 20% special that we're doing until September 5th is still good. So, Go use that site-wide on your entire order because uh, after September 5th, it goes back down to 10%. So if you want to make hay with the 20%, go use that now. Link's down below. Got our code uh, as well as our discount codes are always in the description. So, Annie, you got anything else left for the folks before we uh, sign out here tonight? 
No. Um, thank you, everyone, as always, for tuning in. And we will see you on Friday. Yeah, Friday show is going to be fun. We have to pull up what we got coming on here. We have we got a bunch of shows coming up in the next few weeks. So here's, here's kind of a schedule layout for you guys. So Friday's show is going to be our friend, Mr. Brennan Chapman from Do It Molds. Uh, he's going to come on here. We're going to talk some juice. You guys are not going to want to miss that one. Um, and then uh, next week, we have Ben Milliken coming on the show. Uh, ben Milliken, uh, we're going to talk some big summer to fall uh, swim bait fishing. We got Austin Felix coming on the show, the champ at Lake Oahe. And then we'll have Justin Atkins coming on here shortly. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. We got a really cool list of guys coming up on the show and maybe some uh maybe some royalty that uh you know cooper mentioned in the show might be coming on the show here too yeah there might be some real big hitters coming so stay tuned that's right we know you guys don't want to listen to us scrubs so we're trying to get the the right people on for you guys to listen and learn from but uh, as always folks we appreciate you guys and uh if i can find my mouse here we'll we'll tune the show out but as always folks we appreciate you guys and we'll see you well that was an awesome show hope you guys enjoyed it if you can and your app allows it please leave us a rating and review it really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys so hope you enjoyed it and if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners. All of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners, where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.